and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 33, where today I'm joined by Myra Moyo, founder and co-owner of Bake in a Minute. Before we do get started with the episode, though, I did want to briefly touch on Food Pack, which is the company that I work for in Vancouver, BC. Now, at Food Pack, there are some things that we do very well and specialize in, uh, one of which is flexible packaging, and the other is packaging equipment. So when it comes to flexible packaging, uh, the first point of conversation is that we have a stock bag program. So whether we're talking about vacuum pouches or stand-up pouches, I've got a warehouse full of stock um, with multiple different um, bag sizes and dimensions. Uh, It's a great option for you if you wanted to get something into your hands quickly at a really good price point. And, uh, and then the other part of the conversation is printed bag projects, which is actually what we really specialize in. So I like to always set aside sort of a 45 minute time block with my clients to have a discussion around what it is exactly that they're trying to achieve with their packaging. Uh, we'll have a chat about what it is that you're putting in there, uh, the way that you want your product to present out on the retail shelf. And I guess the most important thing to remember really is when it comes to your packaging, it really is kind of the first interaction that a consumer will have with your brand. So it's something you want to get right. So, you know, we'll also have a discussion around, you know, the finish and the feel and the material structure that the product will be made out of all the way through to our warehousing program, which is a great opportunity to sort of free up some working capital within your business. Um, Obviously, the warehousing program comes with some certain terms and conditions, but it's an option that a lot of our clients love to um, utilize so that you can always ensure that your product is in stock. When it comes to packaging equipment, uh, we've got a showroom floor full of equipment. So whether we're talking about high-end items like a thermoformer or a tray sealer or uh, items that are a little bit more accessible for smaller business like vacuum chamber machines or band sealers, we've got something that fits everybody's budget. Um, The first thing that I like to do is have a conversation around what it is that you're trying to achieve and once again, how you want your product to to be presented on the retail shelf. Uh, We'll also have a chat around the kind of output numbers that you're looking to achieve for your production facility and uh, and we'll go from there so if you'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, what i can do for you here at food pack whether it's in a consumable or a piece of packaging equipment you can reach out directly to me via email at hayden at the packheavypodcast.com you can get in touch with me pretty easily on linkedin just look up my name hayden thompson and that's thompson without a p t-h-o-m-s-o-n or you can give me a call on 604-360-6790 Okay, so founded in 2016, Bacon a Minute is committed to providing quality, nutritious, delicious and versatile bread mixes that are categorized as keto, paleo and low carb. As well as their own online store, Bacon a Minute is sold on both the Amazon Canada and US platforms, which is quite the feat. And of course, in specialty retailers like Naya Chanalia Switch Grocery, who I featured on episode 28, and who also happened to introduce us. I honestly had a great chat with Myra. Um, she was a wealth of information, especially when it comes to getting listed on Amazon and the hoops that you have to jump through to get there. Um, We also had a discussion around her strategy when it comes to advertising on Amazon as well. But as I mentioned, the episode was just packed full of information. So sit back and enjoy. Cheers. 
Myra, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. No worries. Uh, just before we started, you mentioned that it's extremely hot out uh, east where you are. Um, where are you actually based? We are based in Pickering, Ontario. So just we're, I guess we're maybe we're part of the GTA, just yep. a little bit east of Toronto. Okay. So heading out towards Oshawa or even further out than that? Oh, no, right before Oshawa. So it's Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, and then Oshawa. I've driven through it, no doubt then. Yes, you have. Yeah. My wife, I've said this a few times on the um, on the podcast, but my wife's from up in the Kawathas from Fenland Falls, mm -hmm. and she's got a sister in Toronto as well. So whenever we're out east, we always do that um, that drive, you know, quite a few times over the course of a holiday, and it's awesome out there. We love it. It is nice out here, actually. Yeah, the further east you go, it's just like the scenery gets really quiet. Yep. You know? yep. Yeah, and it's really nice scenery. So yeah, we love it out here. Lots Isn't of farms. Yeah, lots, of, lots of farms. I was actually surprised. And, um, you know, especially the further out you get, the more farms you encounter, which is pretty typical of any large city. But mm -hmm. um, is that where you grew up or where are you originally from? You know what? I was born in Toronto. Yep. So yeah, born, born and raised in Toronto, but I did spend a little bit of time in Ghana. Right. So I was wondering. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so yeah. what brought you out here? Like, I guess your family came out here and you said you were born here, but what was yeah. the motivating factor for your parents to come out? You know, they started their journey in the States. So my dad actually right. started out in Chicago. He had family out there Okay. and he was a young whippersnapper yeah, back in like the late sixties. So yep. yeah, he went to the States. My mom joined him and then they decided to come to Canada. Right. They had me and then, you know, circumstances didn't quite work out. So yep. we all went back to yep. Ghana. Yeah. And then we came back again in the early eighties. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And how was your experience of going back to Ghana? You know, from what I could remember, it, it was good. Yeah. It, it was good. It's so funny because, um, as I've, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that English truly is my second language, hmm. even though technically it's my first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I find that uh, a lot of times when I'm speaking, I have to do translations in my head. Right. So that, yeah. to me, that that's the like, whoa, like, okay. Or, or even how I pronounce some words. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I think have to think about it. And I'm like, mm. oh, wait a minute, this is, but I realized that English is actually a second language for me. I mean, I had to do ESL when I came back. So, right. Okay. Yeah. And so were you speaking English or what is the actual like official language of Ghana? The official language of Ghana is English. It was colonized by the British. Right. So okay, it's a British okay. colony. Yeah, it's a British colony, but they have hundreds and hundreds of different languages right. amongst the different tribes. Okay. So what was yeah. the name of your language? Ga. It's literally G A. Ah, <laughs> so, okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. this is something that like was spoken at home and, and with the family as well for you? Yeah. Well, my parents come from two different tribes. So okay. my my father's people, they speak Chi. So you'll find the majority, like a good majority of Ghanaians will speak tree they've kind yeah. of made it like the common language amongst everybody yeah yeah and i remember meeting um a doctor several years ago and i was telling them oh you know i i speak gun because i lived with the gun people and she goes yeah you had to have lived with the gun people she goes it's a very uh difficult language really? so she goes in order for you to speak it you must have lived with them so i didn't even know that oh yeah like, oh, okay yeah so, yeah, yeah. And how did you find English to learn? Because, you know, obviously I don't know any different, but I could totally understand that, you know, English would be a very difficult language to learn. English is a difficult language to learn. Yeah. So it's like, I, I still remember, you know, afternoons sitting in my ESL class and that was, that, that was, that was fun, but it was like having to learn the little nuances mm. of English. You, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's the little things, right? The, the multiple meanings for words and, and then you're doing it all while 
doing it with an accent, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have to translate it in your head into your home language. Mm-hmm. It's quite a process. And I don't think people realize the actual skill it takes mm-hmm. to learn a second language fluently. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us go to French class or, you know, while we're in school, but mm-hmm. it's an actual skill. And I, mm. I think that, you know, when we hear people speaking with an accent or they speak a second language, it's something that's to be commendable because there's yeah. a lot of cognitive work that goes into that. Yeah. And how old were you when you were sort of doing the bulk of your learning there? Um, I left here when we were two and I came back when I had just turned eight. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So probably the perfect age to be picking up a second language just because your brain's like a sponge and, you know, it's, yes. I guess the, you know, children are just in that cognitive position of learning so you're probably like in the prime of like picking up a second language because I can only imagine that as you're an adult and you become more fixed and your brain's a little bit more solid in that space it would only be harder as well oh absolutely and and then you get you get stuck on the rules of language yeah yeah you know so you get stuck on grammatical things yeah. you know you start conjugating verbs when you're older yeah. yeah as opposed to when you're younger especially if you're living amongst the people it's just a practice Yeah, it's the practice. Right. And that's what I tell my children all the time that, you know what, it's because they complain that French is so hard to learn. I said, it's because you're not getting that continual practice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're immersed with the people. If you're immersed in the culture. Yeah. It's easier to pick up. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Japan. I went on a ski trip to Japan uh, quite a few years ago. And in Japan, there's no mistaking it, but you're in Japan. It's sort of like you immerse yourself in that culture. And I can imagine that if you were, you know, living in Japan for a prolonged period of time and you had no choice but to speak Japanese, it would actually, you'd pick it up quite quickly um, just due to the nature of the country. But yeah, in a country like Canada, where it's a complete, you know, cultural melting pot of different cultures and languages and food and everything like that. Um, and there's no sort of, apart from English, there's no sort of specific language that's spoken or English and French, it would be a little bit more difficult in that respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You just got to pick your, I guess you got to pick something that you really like and throw yourself into it. Right. hundred percent. And that's probably yeah. like true in most things in life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you you came back and um, talk us through sort of the years between, you know, your childhood and getting your first job, because what I've found is obviously you've got your own business that you're operating right now. And I'd love to obviously dig into that with you. And that's the sort of the whole purpose of having you on the show today to sort of really dig into that and, and you know, hear all about the things that you've learned throughout that journey. But I'd love to hear about sort of the first couple of jobs you had and the sort of the career that you had prior to getting Bacon a Minute off the ground. Okay. Well, um, yeah, like I said, I went to school here. I graduated from U of T mm-hmm. uh, with a degree in sociology, and then I did corporate communications. In right. a past life, I was going to be a corporate communications director of some makeup company. And so I decided to follow that path. And so when I graduated from CorpCom, an opportunity to work with the government came up mm-hmm. and I took it. And for the last 20 years, I was a collection officer with the federal government. Right. Um, during that time, though, actually, my parents had their own business. So they had actually started their own business. So I, I had started picking up the little bits and bites of running a business and, you know, yep. things like that, packaging, labeling, yep. manufacturing. So I, I didn't realize that was in there, but it, but it was. Um, I also did a lot of customer service, waitressing. I, I really love customer service. I enjoy dealing with the public. Yeah, me too. I love it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you just get to meet a lot of different personalities, a lot of different energies. And I, mm. I like that. Mm. Right. So I did all that. But the big one was working with the federal government. And I, 
you know, once again, those dealing with the government, uh, dealing with the public, mm-hmm. it was, it did get kind of tough because I would take on the job and being in collections, you're, you're taking people's money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and people have a lot of themselves attached to their money. Money huge is emotions. huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's huge. And, you know, it was, I did it and did it and did it, did it both for the federal and for the um, uh, provincial government. Yeah. And finally, one day, you know, things at work wasn't really working out. Mm. And I just decided, you know what? I've been shown evidence that things might work out if I take a chance. I wasn't doing bacon a minute then. I was doing skincare. Right. And I just thought, you know, maybe it's time I just try to do something different. Mm. Now, understand that this probably would not have been the perfect time because my husband had been diagnosed with um, brain cancer in 2012. All right. So I needed to, I was the one who was working. I needed a steady paycheck. I needed Mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. And what did I say? Oh, I think I'm going to take a leave of absence. (laughs) I think I'm going to, you know, take a chance on life finally. Right. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. That's what I took. I just, I went on leave of absence initially and I was actually doing skincare. Okay. Yeah. So I came out with a skincare line, which I was, we were selling online and to local health food stores. So I was doing that when Bacon a Minute reared its head. Okay. So I didn't even start off with Bacon a Minute. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there are so many pieces to that. So first of all, I'm sorry about your husband and, you know, that would have been just a a huge shock to the system and and your relationship and, you know, you individually, I can only imagine the emotional roller coaster that you went on. And I can only imagine that the, the compounding stresses of the conversations that you were having at work every day, trying to collect people's money would have just probably have been the icing on the cake. So I I totally get that, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it's like, because the mind is at home. Yeah. But then you also want to do a good job there. Yeah. yeah. And you you still feel like there's added pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. at some point something had to go. Some, yeah. Something really something had to go. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you're bringing the stress of home to work and you're bringing the stress of work to home. And, Absolutely. you know, there are, there are two stresses there and there's only one that you had control over and that was the work one. So give it the cut. That makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> May not have been the perfect time, but it was for me yeah. at that time. Like People didn't understand it, but it wasn't for anybody to understand. But me. Yeah, no, so of course. Yeah. yeah. Do you have children? Yes, I have four children. Okay, so four how kids, old were yeah. the kids when this was all happening? Oh, when he was diagnosed... Um, my youngest, I had just gone back to work from maternity leave. So it was, we were dealing one, three, five, and seven. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so it takes a village to raise the kids as well. So do you have a lot of family and friends around you that could help throughout that period? Yeah, not a lot of family, but friends were there. But it was yeah. still had to like, you know, because a lot of hospital, yeah. you know, going appointments. So I, yeah. I really did have to utilize everybody within yeah. my reach and I'm, yeah. it's very hard for me to ask for help oh, but totally. I, I had to I had to just I broke down and just had to say you know what and everybody knew what was going on like yeah. early on I notified my my tribe yeah. of what was going on so they all knew so they yeah. were more than happy to chip in so that yeah, was great yeah yeah oh, very good so you got through it and I can only imagine that it made all of you stronger and, um, you know, looking back, what kind of feelings and emotions does it, do you sort of feel? Just kind of, wow, I, I actually got through that, you know, like, I mean, yeah. during, during it, um, or during the big part of it, you know, people kept on saying, I don't know how you're doing this, Myra. Yeah. I don't know how, and I always thought, 
how I'm doing what? Like, this is just life, right? Mm -hmm. You've been handed something. So you just take care of it, yep. right? But yep. now when I sit back, I just think, wow, that was a lot. That that was like, you know, juggling. I see the kids now, they're, the amount of independence they have. And I'm like, how did I do that? But I did it somehow. Yeah. And I, I, just, I just thank the universe that I did do it. Yeah. Like some way, somehow I got through it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it was just laser focus? Like you just kept on looking forward and didn't look back? Or was it just that you felt like you had no other choice? I felt I had no other choice. Yeah. And so I had tunnel vision. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because if I didn't do it, things would fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got to do it. You just got to have that laser eye and just go for it. You yeah. Just don't look right or left and don't listen to the noise because there's yeah. a lot of noise as well. Everybody has a suggestion on what they think you should do. Yeah. But only you know what you should do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I totally hear. So you got the skincare brand up and running, and um, and now you've got Bacon a minute. What was the, how was the transition between the two businesses for you? You know, it was. I wasn't nervous to go into food because business is business per se, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of regulation around mm -hmm. food. Yeah, that is not around skincare. Yeah, so it was getting to know the regulations that mm -hmm. that was one of the things that that was the big, big transition, mm -hmm. you know, and having people trust you enough and trust your product enough that they're willing to ingest it. Cause mm -hmm. that's huge. Massive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Putting something on your skin, having something topical, yeah. you know, that, that to me was, it was easier. Cause I tell people, well, I use it, which mm -hmm. I did. Well, I use it, you know, mm -hmm. but um, telling people, well, I eat it. it. It doesn't have the same effect. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, you eat it. And now what? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it's kind of like getting people to really trust you. How do you get people to trust your product enough that they're willing to ingest it? Yeah. Take it into their bodies. That's huge. Yeah. 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 So yeah. let's just go back one step before where we are right now. So walk us through the business model that you had for the cosmetic business, what you learned there and how you're applying what you learned to bake in a minute. And maybe if you also want to give everybody a little bit of insight as to sort of what bake in a minute is well at the same time, that'd be great. Okay. Um, well, the skincare, what, what I really learned was just go for it. Yep. No idea is crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought it's great to come up with all these ideas because I can formulate, so I can formulate from scratch. So this wasn't something I was um, private labeling. I wasn't buying a prepared product. Right. It was actually my own formulation. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so because I formulate, you want to make all this stuff. I want to make stuff for the hair, stuff, different stuff for the skin, for the face, for the feet, for the toes. But at some point you'll be competing against yourself mm -hmm. and it, it does become too much, you know, so you don't know what to push. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the one thing that I definitely learned was I don't need an entire product line. One, two, three, perhaps four different products are fine that I can really focus on and that I can really endorse, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. really sell. Mm -hmm. And so I brought that mentality into Bacon a Minute. If, in, uh, you know, if you look at our Bacon a Minute line, I've been asked, oh, when are your sweets coming out? When are your savories coming out? When are your, you know, and, and I can, I can do blueberries, strawberry, chocolate chips, da, 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 da. I, I can definitely do all of that. But I want to specialize in what it is that we do best, which is providing bread mix and more, mm -hmm. you know, providing mm -hmm. the public with a good flour that is versatile that they can use not only for breads, but 
can use for a whole host of stuff. And I enjoy showing that versatility because mm -hmm. I don't think I have maxed out on that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, so what, as long as I have something else I can make with bacon a minute, to me, it doesn't make sense coming out with three or four other products, which now I have to divert the attention away from my original to try to push that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so that's, that's what the skincare definitely taught me that I don't need to compete against myself, that not all ideas that I have here have to be brought to the forefront. Yeah. 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 Right? Fantastic. And where did the original bacon the minute idea come from? You know what? Um, I had started, so my husband was undergoing treatment mm -hmm. and, you know, we were kind of looking at ways to decrease. I'd always eaten low carb for as long as I can remember. I, I was, I was doing low carb before low carb was low carb. Before I it was mean, cool. Yep. <laughs> before it was cool. Right. So I've been doing low carb, honestly, for probably 25, 30 years. And um, so it was interesting or, or easy enough for me to just I know what to eat. I know how to eat it. For him, it was a little bit of a journey. And we're, we just started talking about cancers and things that, you know, help, you know, people heal from cancers and what they should mm. do. At the same time, I got into fitness competing. So, you know, definitely hitting the weights, getting the body into that shape, doing all of that. And, you know, you don't realize you really like to eat something until somebody tells you you're not allowed to eat it. Can't do it. Yeah. And that was me and bread, right? I'm not a bread person. I can walk into a bakery, smell all the good smell and walk out and not feel like I've missed out anything. Mm -hmm. But, oh, tell me that I can't have anything in that bakery, oh, you know? <laughs> and, so, and so that's what it was. It was during competition, you know, my husband's undergoing treatment. What can we do? And I started, honestly, I started looking on Pinterest, looking for ideas. And I saw recipes and I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak, tweak uh, a recipe or two and really make it my own. Right. And, and then I thought I had something when somebody said, hey, can you make me a batch of that stuff? And I'm like, huh, if I'm if I'm willing to and this person is, I'm sure there's other people out there who are as well. Mm. But for me, it was it had to be the ingredients had to be low. Yeah, they had to be recognizable. Right. Mm -hmm. And they had to be simple and clean enough. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's how it started. Perfect. And yeah, it sounds yeah. like such a, a simple business model as well and a simple idea. And, you know, that's having the fundamentals locked down like that is so critical. And that's a, a common theme that I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that I've had on the podcast as well. Um, now, you mentioned that you uh, gave some product or you had a friend ask you for the product. How did you go about sort of getting the word out to more and more people and sort of gathering up that feedback so that you could either iterate on the product and improve on it or sort of validate what you knew you had? Meetups. Meetups were really big in 2017. Yeah. And so I decided, you know what? I had gone online. I noticed that some people were having keto meetups. Yep. And I thought, you know, maybe I can offer to donate some product. Mm. You know, we had, we had our labels, we, we were getting set up. So I thought maybe I can offer to donate some products, right? Who doesn't like free stuff? Yeah. And there it was, they said, yes. Um, next, thing you know, I'm in talks with Neha from Switch Grocery because yep. they were the ones who organized the meetup. Right. And as they say, the rest is history. The people got it. They started using it. They started posting pictures of what they had made. Yeah. And we started reposting them on social media. And it just grew from there. And it just grew from there. was Switch the first retailer that you had on board? No, actually. No. Okay. No, we, we were actually, um, <clears throat> we were supplying to health food stores in Durham. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we were in health food stores in Durham before Switch Switch uh, came on board. Right. What we like about Switch though is we like the online aspect because yeah. there's no borders, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So we really like that. Yeah, I can imagine Naya would be such an amazing partner to be working with as well. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're really, really good. They're really good. So at this point, were you still working out of a kitchen at home or had you moved into a a space like a um, commercial kitchen? Well, what we were doing was um, we knew right away that we had to find a a commercial space. Yep. So we found a local space uh, by us here that we could use that was, what do you call it? Health regulated. Yes. And so that's that's where we've been uh, producing our stuff from. Okay, cool. And how long have you sort of grown through a few different spaces or you're still in the same the same place? Same, same space, same right. space, yeah. It okay. didn't make sense to, I mean, from from this space where we're at, we'll, we'll go to a co-packer. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to move around space to space, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Now, tell us a little bit about the resources that were required to get the business off the ground. Walk us through sort of that stage. Um, you know what, when it comes to capital, so everything has been funded by us. There's mm-hmm. actually three partners in the business. Okay. So it's me, my husband and our e-commerce, uh, and web specialist. Mm-hmm. And everything has been found founded by us. Uh, we, whenever the mon- the company makes money, we put it back in. Yep. Right. Yep. So at tax time, I joke about how we're like Amazon in this, in the beginning years, but <laughs> you know what, we just take all the products and you know, Yep. We just throw it right back in. But so capital was, was, um, I mean, the business is taking care of itself now Great. in terms of what it needs and things like that. Yes. Um, and then there's the information that come from different places. Like, so when you're shipping to the U S you have mm-hmm. to let the, you have to let FDA know that you're bringing food in. Yes. And I will tell you for the life of me, I don't even know where I received this information, but you have to, you have to do something called a prior notice, right? And it literally is that. You have to let them know something's coming in. So you have okay. to go in and fill in information. But I remember somebody saying, hey, don't forget to look into doing this. And I don't even remember where that information came from. But I looked into it and it's and that we've been doing that. So it's little things like that. Yeah. You know, somebody's saying, hey, um, you know, check out your health department. My sister is actually a health officer. So she was great resource for me. I can me. only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what is it that I'm going to need? What is it that, you know, my parents as well, having their own food product, what am I going to need? What am I going to, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it was, it's that, that was, I think that to me is even more key than money. Money can always be found. Yes. Right. Yeah. But it's the little, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the, the right information, yep. your product is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So you just touched on a few really interesting things. Do you have a team around you that you sort of leverage to sort of gather information like this? Have you sort of built a bit of an advisory board around you? Or do you have any sort of go-to sort of um, system uh, platforms that you sort of leverage right now to sort of gather up information like that? If it's not me, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I love the research. Yep then I, I do have a few people I can say, Hey, what do I do here? What do I do? Or have you heard about this? Or, yep. you know, yep. so there are people around me that I can definitely go to for things that are beyond me. Like I say, for me, I'm, I'm customer service, I'm manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm that stuff, but there are things that are just like, Whoa, I, I, I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. So I, I have to reach out. Yeah. 
Now, you mentioned that you're retailing down in the States as well. Is that purely an online um, retailer relationship that you have, or do you actually have bricks and mortar locations that you're sending product down to? Right now, it's it's uh, strictly online. Yep. We are looking for, I think, once things settle down, mm-hmm. definitely we'll be looking at the brick and mortar route. Yep. But right now, it's online, and that's been going well. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the reasons that I really wanted to have a conversation with you because I know that you are online uh, with Amazon right now, both in Canada and the States. Mm-hmm. And that is just a, a beast to navigate, especially in your early days, if you've never worked with a retailer or a platform like Amazon before. So yeah. I would really love to hear the story of sort of what the the um, deciding factor was to go um, and sell through Amazon, what your strategy was and how you went about it. Um. Well, initially, initially, uh, it was we were doing our own fulfillment. So we had our own web store and we had people coming to us and I was the one who was shipping and I was doing the labels. And but it, it was becoming. It wasn't beca- it wasn't productive mm-hmm. in terms of cost. I find that, you know, a lot of the shippers we have here are not as easy to online businesses they're not as friendly yeah so it was a matter of how can we streamline this how can we make it a lot easier and so we decided you know what having amazon fulfill for us number one was Mm -hmm. definitely a way to go yeah it really took you know the pressure off of me having to ship to the states Mm -hmm. all the time they could get the product out in a much timelier manner Mm -hmm. And even just being on Amazon, it was just having that access to new market, right? Something Mm -hmm. that we necessarily wouldn't have here, you know, just that exposure to the American market. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the States, but just even getting in there a little bit. Yeah. That, that makes all the difference. You know, if somebody's mentioning your name, that's, that's great. Oh, and it's a huge market as well. How many distribution mm-hmm. centers into the States are you, um, are you shipping stock down into? You know what? We ship it to one and okay. Amazon will ship it everywhere else. So it's just one distribution center, but yep. we notice that they will ship it to different places. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. so you're available US-wide? Yes. Wow. Yes. We're available US-wide. We're available Canada-wide. Okay. And how are you managing to keep up with that demand? Have you grown the production facility? Or like how many employees do you currently have? You know what? It's still something really interesting about Bacon a Minute. Yeah. It's still just us packaging. Wow. How do you manage that? Have you like, you've got obviously <laughs> equipment that you're sort of leveraging, yes. you know, to be able yes. to scale. Let's let's sort of attack that part of the conversation because yeah. I think that's really critical because obviously scaling the business, you know, takes on many different factors, whether it's the the time investment into marketing to get the word out there, or like you were just saying, the distribution component. But on the back end of that, you've got to obviously be able to produce and manufacture and package up and then get product mm-hmm. out the door. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously having a limited amount of hands and time to be able to do that, you've really got to be able to leverage the the technology to do that. So walk us through sort of where the business started and where it is today in terms of production. Um, well, you know what? We were first just doing it. Um, it's funny, we're, we're doing it by hand. So it's still by hand, Right. You know, it was, you know, a few orders here, a few orders there. What we do do is I do bring on help when we need it for larger orders. Um, But it's a matter of two just kind of splitting up. So we 
if we have a large order, we know that we have a day for labeling. So we will commit a day or two to just labeling, right? And then um, we commit a day to blending. So we would just, the product needs to be blended and to sit, right? So we will do that. And then it will be several days of packaging and just deciding what size we're doing. Are we doing the 33 grams? Are we doing 300 grams? Are we doing 100 grams? And we will, and then we will just attack it. We'll just package and then we will seal off everything, package everything, and then another day dedicated to shipping. So it, it, it definitely does take um, time, right? Uh, probably more than a week, probably two weeks, depending on the order. But everything is still made by hand. Every single package is made by hand. Yeah. And are you filling by hand or do you have a weigh-in fill that you're using? No, it's filled by hand. Okay. So you're setting the, the your pouch up on a scale and using a funnel yeah. to fill the pouch. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Yeah, very, very artisanal, I guess. You yeah. know, it's just so when people go, oh, you know what, our stuff is made by hand. Baking a minute is literally, literally, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally made by hand. Yeah, and if you yeah. notice, like you know, um, due just to factors of economies of scale and so on, as you've grown the business and you've increased your distribution and your market out there as well that because you're buying larger volumes of product obviously you're able to drive down your cost but where else have you sort of been able to etch out some extra margin in that respect hmm. um yeah de definitely definitely in 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 product yep um uh maybe even in advertising mm -hmm. you know i find social media is a really good way to mm. to do it i'm I mean, we were advertising all over the place, which really helped yep. initially. You know, we were on Google and Amazon and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. But, you know, I think to me, one of the best ways to get a really good bang for your buck is just somebody uh, posts your your product yep. to repost it. Yeah. Right. And yep. there is where you'll find a lot of savings, believe mm. it or not. Yeah. Because having that one person, even if it's to 50 people, yep. you know, that's money you don't have to spend on advertising. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right now, we don't spend money on a co-packer. Mm -hmm. that's, that's another one, right? Yeah. You know, um, I don't, we don't spend money on an, adv an advisor, let's mm -hmm. just say, you know, somebody who we go to for, you know, <laughs> the internet is a great resource. Isn't it? I would yeah. say there's no idea is an original idea. It's only original to the person who got it out first. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of resource online as to how you can go about things and just kind of, you know, cut corners, freebie it, maybe a new way of thinking it. So it's it's doing those things. But I think social media and just keeping everything here yeah. has been, you know, the best way in which we have we have uh, saved. And then you take those savings and you can pass it on to the consumer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Have you had to shift your retail price at all just to be able to um, keep the business operational? Like from its early days where you sort of costs were a little bit lower, was it priced a little bit lower and you had to increase your price just as you added on distribution channels and all of the other partners that you're working with? Or is it something you have kept relatively fixed? We have kept it relatively fixed. Okay. I mean, we don't, our almond flour, which is what the the main, you know, bulk of our original mixes yes. it's not a cheap product no not at all yeah and it it really only comes from 
very few places in the world, mainly one place in the world, which is California. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny because they have to ship it from California all the way to here. Yeah. We do what we need to do and then we ship it back to the States, right? Yep. Yep. But in pricing our product, we knew that we were going to keep our prices stable for a long time. Like That's I'm great. seeing other products go up. Yeah. Bacon a minute hasn't. Right. And that was something that we planned early on that, you know what? All these other companies who can afford to give you, can afford mm. to give you these products at a lower price, eventually won't be able to sustain it. Yes. Right. So yeah. even though we look like we're higher end, yes. a lot of those other companies are now kind of coming to where we are. Yeah. Right. But we haven't gone anywhere. Okay. We've stayed fixed. Yeah. So how did you go about developing your pricing strategy out there? Did you go online and look at what your competitors were pricing your product at? Or was it simply a cost plus sort of calculation? It was a cost plus and what the competitors were pricing it yeah, at. Yeah. And as well, what that, you know, if you were to purchase all the ingredients and do it yourself, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people just, well, I can just go and buy in these ingredients. That's great. But now it's time. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't factor in time. And we say, we've done it all for you. Here it is. Yeah. You know, you don't have to measure anything. You don't have to look at anything. Right. So yeah. it was definitely looking at the value of the product what um, com- competitors or similar products on the online were doing and the cost of the product. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Yeah. I want to circle back on Amazon just for a second, because the actual engaging with Amazon piece, I can imagine would be kind of daunting and overwhelming for some people that are thinking about it right now. So if there's anybody out there right now, that's sort of thinking about the potential opportunity of working with an Amazon, for example, what advice would you give them and sort of, Tell us a little bit about how you actually got the ball rolling there and, and all the way through to actually becoming operational with Amazon. Well, the first thing I want to say is you got to be patient mm-hmm. because Amazon is going to throw some things your way and you're going to be scratching your head. And I'm glad I, I get the end of it, the end piece. Mm-hmm. So my web specialist is the one who actually, he deals primarily with Amazon. Right. So he was the one who actually got us on. He already was had a relationship with Amazon mm-hmm. from other projects he had had. He had put our skincare on Amazon. Got ya. And so it was just a matter of just saying, hey, you know what? We can just go ahead and try and put this product on. Now it had to be, where do we put our, where does the product go? Grocery, you know, where do you want to be found? And things like that, right? Yeah. Um, but it's the patience because there's just, the little things, you know, you're always told, oh, just go on Amazon. Just, just go on Amazon. It's easy, you know. Yeah. But it's not quite like that. Like nobody tells you that in order for you to actually have just even a tip of the information that Amazon collects mm-hmm. and they collect information, right. right? Yeah. For you to get even a little bit about your customers, you actually have to have a trademark. You have to have a brand really? on Amazon. Yeah. 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 So okay. it's not a matter, it's not a matter of just, oh, I just selling my things on Amazon. You have to have a brand. Yeah. Right. So we got trademarked. We're trademarked in the US, mm-hmm. right? So once they see that, then they're able to, oh, okay, we'll give you a little bit of information now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, even how our products are handled. We sell our cups in three packs. Yeah. And we were getting like really bad reviews, negative reviews, because people are like, yeah, I received one cup. And we're like, but don't understand what's going on. Well, what Amazon was doing was they were breaking up. Got yeah, yeah. You know the packages. And yeah. They're like, why would you do? Like some of the things they were doing just didn't seem to make sense. Yes. 
Um, and it's a matter of contacting them, waiting for a response, and then responding. So it's patience. Yeah. It's it's a lot of patience. Um, the cost as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it has to be what is it worth to you, right? So is FBA, you know, fulfilled by Amazon uh, better than FBV fulfilled by vendor, right? right? So you have to, do you have that time? Do you have that money? Do you, you have to kind of weigh it out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How quickly can Amazon get your product out to the customer versus you, yes. especially if you're across the border? Yeah, yeah. And, and at times like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's... It, it's it's all of that. So somebody who is definitely going into wants to go into that route, you got to think about it because there is the cost mm-hmm. and the the patience and just the little things. Like I said, things like trademarking that they don't tell you, mm. right? Because that too is a cost. Now you have to find somebody to trademark mm-hmm. your name, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's it's those little things, but it's not impossible. I mean, so many people do it. We've done it. Yeah. So it's it's not impossible. No, 100%. So, you know, from first making the decision that you were going to engage with Amazon to getting your first sale on Amazon, what kind of period of time was that? Hmm. I I would think that, you know, but we got on there and probably our first sales hit within a week or so. Oh, wow. So because we had, yeah, quite it quick. It was quick. Yeah, yeah, it was quick because we had also started um, advertising. Okay. So we were advertising through Amazon. Yes. So we started advertising through Amazon and then we did our Facebook advertising. So mm-hmm. the advertising really helped push and letting people know that we're on Amazon, mm. social media as well, yep. letting people know we're on Amazon. Yep. And then to the American customers. Yeah. Right. Yep. Our American customers would say, hey, where can I find you in the States? And Americans love Amazon. Yes, so they it's, do. It's yeah. nice to say, hey, you know what? We're on Amazon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I would say definitely within a week. It wasn't long at all because we had utilized that advertising. Yeah. Cool. The so, advertising helped. So when it comes to advertising, did you have a budget that you were wanting to stick with, or did you just throw some money at it to see what would stick, and then you've refined it from there? Or what was your strategy when it came to um, not only advertising through Amazon, but just your online budget for advertising? Well, we figured we'd just throw some money and see what works. Yeah. So it was, okay, well, if we were to, and no word of a lie, it was like, if we were to do maybe a dollar here, what would it do, yeah, right? Yeah. And let's see if we do $5. Let's see, I mean, we didn't start off with, let's do 100 or mm. $200, mm-hmm. right? It was, let's see what this can get us. And then two, it's, what is your call to action? So they have this thing, what's, you know, when you're advertising, what's your call to action, yeah. right? Yeah. So at first, our, our advertising was just, hey, you want to draw people for likes, for yep. our website, for people to know we're there or to social media. We want our followers to grow, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was drawing people over to our website for purchase, for purchase, yep. right? Yeah. And as you change, as you change those different calls to action, that's when the money grows. Yeah. And so now we have a more or less like a set budget mm-hmm. where we say, you know what, we spent this much a month on advertising and no more. But it's funny because, uh, but maybe a couple months ago, I pulled, I pulled all our advertising. Mm-hmm. I pulled all of it. Right. I, I, yeah, I told, I told my e-commerce guy, I said, you know what? Look, when it comes to advertising right now, it looks like we're bleeding cash more than anything else. Yeah. And I said, you know, Bacon a Minute is at that point where she is walking. Yeah. So let's see what she can do without the advertising for now. Yeah, cool. Right. Yeah. So I've pulled, I've pulled all the, I've pulled all the advertising. It might be crazy on my part, but I did it. 
No, so I don't think so. Does. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it's hard to calculate a return on that investment, especially with online marketing dollars. And, yeah. um, you know, I found it really interesting when you said that you started at the lower end and slowly in incrementally built up the, the, what you were spending on your online marketing. Whereas I feel that a lot of people out there feel as if they have to spend big dollars to see some kind of impact, but you found that that wasn't the case. No, not, not even because once again, it was, I didn't want to spend, you can get followers for free. Yeah. Yeah. So the need to spend hundreds of dollars for followers just yeah. didn't seem to make sense. Right. Yeah. Especially where, when every time I turn around, somebody was willing to share mm. their creation with mm-hmm. us. Right. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was, it just didn't make sense actually to all of us. Let's just see what this can do. I mean, they say you can do a dollar. So let's see what a dollar can do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what, and then take it from there. Now we've gone to less than a dollar because we've pulled it, we've pulled it all back. Yeah. And have you noticed a, uh, an, a hit to your sales at all? Or have you noticed that it's pretty much staying, um, remain status quo? It's remaining status quo, believe it or not. Yeah. It's cool. remaining status quo. The followers are increasing. Yeah. I'm still getting, you know, pictures of people's creations. Yeah. So I think it might be like this un- until we decide what direction we're going to go. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And I mean, we do a lot of, um, or I do a lot of push on my Instagram okay. with what, what it is we're focusing on, you know, like focusing on the cups. So yeah. hey, post a lot of pictures using it and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. you know, kind of get into there. Yeah. So yeah. Damn, that's cool. So when you decide that you're going to pump some dollars back into it, what do you think your strategy will be? Like, do you think that you'll stick with um, Amazon marketing um, dollars or do you think that you'll sort of try and drive some more traffic back towards your website or what do you think your strategy will be? Have you sort of thought about that at all? Yeah, I think it's going to be more Google and Amazon. Yeah, okay. I think we're going to go back to Google and Amazon. It just, they're such powerhouses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and done right, it's just a lot of exposure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I would love to say, oh, I'll just take an ad out in the paper, but get real, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those days <You> know? are <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> Those days are very over. Yeah. It's, yeah. So probably most likely be Amazon and Google just for the exposure. Yeah. You know, and until there is something else, you yeah. can't beat that kind of exposure. Yeah. Yeah. I hear. You know, you know yeah. one thing that I find really interesting. So like your product is specifically targeting sort of your keto, paleo, um, grain-free sort of audience out there. Mm-hmm. Um and I would imagine that the market is only growing. Like it's a huge audience already. How are you targeting these people? Like you said already, like you're, you're pumping dollars into these campaigns, but are you using um, AdWords searches or how are you finding your specific tribe and how are you managing to hold on to them? I believe, and now see, this is the part for my e-commerce guy because I, I believe he does a lot of AdWords. Yep. Right? So he does a lot of AdWords. He takes a lot of what we've posted and he... He reposts those and he pushes a lot of our, you know, our pictures Mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I assume he's doing it. (laughs) Remember, like I said, I stay in my lane. Yeah. (laughs) I stay in my lane. So, but yeah, but I know a lot of that is, is um, just taking something that I've, I've said and driving it to where he feels that the people will be. And when he does do the posts, it is, it is the AdWords, right? We're yep. looking for a certain uh, demography. Yeah. We're looking for, you know, certain social status. Yeah. You know, we're looking for, and we target those people. Perfect. You said that you stick to your own lane. So you obviously know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. What do you consider your strengths and what do you consider your weaknesses and what are you doing to strengthen your weaknesses? Uh, 
I believe my strength is actually endorsing the product, Mm -hmm. right? So I, you know, I don't, I don't just own the company, but I'm a customer. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, I I live the life. So I definitely believe that is my strength. Mm -hmm. I I do live the life. Um, My weakness is that, so I remember when um, I used to always fill out the shipping labels by hand. Yeah. I used to always fill out shipping labels by hand. And, you know, I know some people at Canada Post and they said, well, you know, you should just really get on online and just, you know, do it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I will, you know, but it's just, there's a fear of that. Yeah. And the one day I did it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so convenient. The guy came to the front, he picked up the stuff. <laughs> I printed out the label. I'm like, what the, I'm not going back. I swear, I, I, I don't know the last time I saw my ladies at Canada Post. I'm like, I go in there, they're like, where have you been? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, they, they come and pick it up now. I've got other things but to do. Yeah. I got other things to do. But yeah. for me, it was, there was just such a fear of new, mm-hmm. the newness. Yep. And so if it's new, I try to say yes to it. I try mm-hmm. to jump into it. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to try and do it. You know, and, and to me, that's, that's how I combat the, the things I don't know. It's like, I'm just going to try it. What do I have to lose? If I get it wrong, there's going to be somebody out there who will tell me it wasn't done correctly. And the one thing I've learned is that there is ample people willing to help you. Yeah. There really are. They just come from everywhere. So yeah. just try it. Just yeah. just go for it. Shipping labels. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so where yeah, do you think like the that. next major shift will be? Like, where do you see foresee an opportunity to either save time or streamline part of your operation? Coal packer. Yeah. Definitely, I, b- I believe it's in manufacturing. Yeah, that's that's where we are definitely headed. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think even blending might be uh, another one, mm-hmm. but more so than that, it's it's having somebody package the product. Yeah, just build pallets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's exactly it. Get the you product know? out the door. Yeah. Get I've, the product out the door. Yeah, I've interviewed quite a few people that use that strategy and it's great because then you can just focus on your sales and marketing and keep on growing your brand and business and really start working on your business rather than in your business, which is, I guess, the key takeaway that you know every entrepreneur says you've got to get to that point. So how far out do you think you are from there being at that stage? I'll probably say maybe a year. Yep. If I had to put a timeline on it, mm-hmm. definitely maybe a year. Yeah. Um, right now, like I said, just at that point where we're just seeing what direction. Yeah. She's going. She's she's not showing signs of stopping. Yes. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah, of course. So yeah. it's just a matter of going, 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 and saying, you know what? Okay, I believe we're ready now, and mm-hmm. just doing that jump. Yeah. You know, just doing that leap, and yes. and I believe that's that's what it is. It could be just a little bit of, are you sure you can? Can you go? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, I think we'll be ready in about a year to just do that. I was going to have to be. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, is there a key performance indicator that you're waiting to achieve or is it just a push that you need? I think I'm waiting for more demand. Got you. But it, it seems to go hand in hand. It's like if we have the product, there probably mm-hmm. would be more demand. Mm-hmm. And if we have more demand, we'd have the product. So it's like, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, at some point we'll just have to say, you know what? Let's just push it out there and see if we can drive demand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's I mean, I tell myself I'm waiting for more demand, but what if a year from now I'm still here? Yeah. Then I'll have to do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're getting all of your ducks lined up and you're ready to make the decision. So I'm excited to watch that happen from afar. (laughs) (laughs) From afar. (laughs) Well, I mean, here I am on the other side of Canada and I can only really witness it all through, you know, the online channels and and keeping up with, um, you know, what's going on there. But yeah, it's awesome watching businesses grow. Like I'm in the process of watching Chiwi's Kiwi Chips, you know, grow Mm -hmm. and take on funding and, you know, Eve's Crackers is just killing it over here as well. And and from what Naya said, you guys are killing it over there as well. And it's it's awesome to be a part of the conversation and hear the inner workings of what it is that's making your business tick. Hear what your strategy is and then watch it occur. Like it's just so cool. So hats off to you for all of the hard work that you've done and what an awesome story. And the great thing that I love hearing is that, you know, you obviously learned something pretty critical during the period of operating your um, cosmetic business and you were able to apply that to um, bake in a minute and really, you know, um, you know, you learned from lessons. You, there were lessons that you learned that you didn't repeat, which is awesome because a lot of people yes. repeat mistakes, you know? Oh yes, for, for sure. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to, I have this motto you know if you don't learn it the first time you're going to be given another opportunity to learn it yeah that's true (laughs) and it'll probably be a bit more of a harder fall next time won't it yes yes it usually is so it's like pay attention yeah you know yeah pay attention and that's that's what i think i i've been doing yeah i think i've been doing that yeah for sure do you have people hit you up as a you know to mentor them or offer them advice or are people reaching out to you yeah, actually, I spoke with um, a class, a business class a few months ago mm-hmm. at one of the high schools here. So that was that was really great. It was like, oh, that's that's fantastic. You know, yeah, because at first I was like, want to talk to who about what? Yeah, me. Why? Like, you know, yeah, but it, it was it was nice because I was in I was in good company. I think the, the CEO of Organica or so was Aaron Chin was also a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed Aaron, him on yeah. the podcast. Aaron's awesome, isn't he? I seem to be behind Aaron. I've never spoken to him before, but I seem to like be following where, wherever he is. He's so great. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he's yeah. a powerhouse. He's got a, a very similar story to you in that he's actually, well, kind of similar in that his parents came out from another country and, um, and you know, his father started Organica and now he's taken over the reins with his brother and he's operating it. And they just actually... I think they were listed as one of the fastest growing companies, fastest 500 companies in North America, which is a huge, huge sort of um, pat on the back for them and all of the hard work that they're doing. And they're also extremely innovative at Organica as well. So I particularly wanted to have a conversation with Aaron around, you know, how did they instill that culture of innovation uh, within within the organization. And it was a really great chatter. It was, we learned a lot. And if anybody's out there uh, that didn't hear that episode, I recommend you go back in the catalog and have a look because yeah, Aaron was full of great advice. Yeah. And innovation is so important. That's Mm -hmm. what I like to think about that. We, I like to think of us as innovators, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, there's a lot of mixes out there, but nobody's quite doing what it is we're doing, you know, add oil, egg, and there you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about, being that being kind of ahead of the game a little bit yeah looking forward always trying to see hmm what's going to be the next big thing and that's that's another one you know you're always looking to see what's going to be the next big thing in food yeah especially right yeah you know because food goes all directions right yeah 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 and you know especially when it comes to you know whether you're a vegan or a vegetarian or you know whether you're going down the keto paleo line or you know there's always a different diet that people are talking about but i don't foresee keto or paleo going anywhere and um it's something that i've brought into my life as well i'm not as strict as i used to be at times Mm -hmm. but i noticed that my body responded really really well to that kind of diet 
then I should probably take it up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen the rest of you, but your face looks good. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Got a haircut on Friday. I'm looking all right. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, listen, um, that was an incredible story. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you very much for your time today. Um, You're so welcome. <laughs> yeah. One question that I have for you before we do part ways though. So you did mention before that you are, that you do have people that reach out to you and, you know, ask questions. If there was somebody standing in your shoes from back in 2016, when you did launch Bacon a Minute and they were sitting on the fence as to whether they were going to turn this idea into reality and, you know, pack heavy on their idea. And what would your, what would your advice be to somebody just getting started? be patient mm -hmm. and take, even though it might not seem like advice, there is advice coming from all different directions. Just pay attention, listen, you know, just, just listen because people are going to give you nuggets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just, just take that advice, write it down, put it away somewhere because you don't know when you're going to need it, but yeah. be patient. You're, you're going to want things to blow up. You're going to, see other people doing great stuff and you're going to want to turn your head, stay in your lane, do what it is you do best and, and be patient. Love it. What a great way to finish up the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch or try some of your product, I know that they can go straight to your website or jump on Amazon in Canada or the States, which is such an easy place to find any product these days. Um, listen, thank you so much, Mara. I really enjoyed our chat and uh, I'll talk to you later. Oh, thank you so much and have yourself a great one. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. We'll see you next week.